Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Ruth Noseworthy-Green. Ruth has been a mat maker since 1995. She works primarily with wool yarn to create mats which capture Newfoundland and Labrador past and present, especially as it relates to her connections to places throughout the province. Her works have been exhibited at the Battle Harbour National Historic Site of Canada, the Arts and Letters Competition, the Bonavista North Museum Gallery, the Kildeverill Fair, and Anti-Craze here in St. John's. Ruth and her work have also appeared in a Parks Canada promotional video, and her work hangs in private collections across Canada. She has taught mat making for the Provincial Museum, the Provincial Youth Heritage Forum, and to private students. It's a special all-hooker uh, edition of Living Heritage. <laughs> uh, Ruth, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a delight to have you here. It's nice, nice to be here. And you've just you've just literally uh, flown back into town from driven from, back, driven back from from Bombay. time out, out on the west coast. Pretty point. Yeah. And um, Lomond. I was at the music camp. At the music camp. Mm-hmm. And were you doing uh, fabric arts while you were there? I or? have my own room out there, and I have two students. Yeah. So what were you working on? Uh, a brand new piece. It's called the Memory Mat, and it's Harbor Grace, about nineteen fifty six, fifty seven. And it's a complete departure from anything I've ever done. Yeah. I'm using fabric, and I'm using paint, and I'm hooking. <laughs> so it's a, it's a multi- multimedia. Fabulous. It's um, my great-aunt's house in Harbour Grace South. As a child, um, in my feather bed in that front bedroom, uh, I'd be woken very early in the morning by the putt-putt of the motorboats going out fishing, like maybe 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And then the I can see... Still see it, I can smell it, the, the curtain billowing in with a little gentle breeze. So I'm hooking the window with the view, and over the window I'm putting the lace curtain, and it took me two days to find the right one. Uh, I got a second hand at uh, Salvation Army on seniors discount day, which is really important. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it'll be hung over the window, and so as you walk past the window, the lace will move with the gentle breeze. Right. And then next to that is the dresser, the actual dresser that was in that bedroom, my brother has it, and I have the bed. So the bed is reflected in the mirror. So that's the mat. And the walls are painted yellow. And who are your students? Uh, Judy Houston mm-hmm. and uh, Sherry Strong. Right. So yeah. they, were, they were there participating they in the music They were participating, camp. and uh, I just, we set up the tables, and they come and hook when they can. Yeah, great. So, so that's, uh, that's a really great introduction to kind of what you do, in a sense, because you're, you're interested in fabric arts and textile yeah. arts, but you're also kind of interested in place and history. And place and history is really important. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get started? You, you've been rug hooking since 1995? Well, what happened was I got involved with the volunteer program at the old Newfoundland Museum, and we were teaching the grade three program, uh, which is um, school days and wash days and hooking and I choose school days because I looked at the hooking and said, uh-uh, I can't do that. And then one day I said, you know, the grade three kids can do that. Why can't I? <laughs> so I did. Yeah. And I got hooked on hooking. Hooked on hooking. Who taught you? Um, well, um, I knew a bit about it because I used to work at the University Art Gallery 40-odd years ago. And we had an exhibition of hooked mats by Louise Belpin and some other people. And so I, I knew a fair bit about the hook mats and poke mats. And then we joined the Women's Institute in St. Phillips. And some of the older ladies there encouraged me and sort of said, do this and do that. And then did. 
Now, I suspect, you know, if people are listening to this who are, who are Newfoundlanders, they're automatically going to know what a hook mat is. But if, if people aren't from here and, they, and they, they hear us talking about hookers and hook hooking, what, what is a hooked mat? How would you describe it to someone who had never a seen it? A hooked mat, okay, you take your burlap and you stretch it over this wooden frame. I, I use a traditional wooden frame. You can get all kinds of modern gizmos today, but I don't like them. I like the wooden one. And uh, on your stretched burlap, you draw your image, and then uh, you hook with a hook, which is stainless steel hook. I have a small one in my hand. Um, it's about, what, four inches? Yeah. Altogether high. And you work with your hand under the burlap. You hold your wool under the burlap, and you hook through the burlap, and you take up little loops of yarn as you're hooking. So you pull the yarn up through the up, weft of up the... Up through the, the, the burlap. Yeah. And the, the little um, loops are maybe a quarter of an inch high. And you work always from right to left unless you're left-handed. Right. <laughs> and then you have to do it the you know, opposite. But anyway, that's how you do it. And you fill up your whole area with all these little loops. And then you make uh, colored patterns with different colored... Uh, all kinds of colored yarn. And yeah. if, if I don't have the right color yarn, if I have it in fabric or acrylic... I'll use whatever I can get my hands on right. to get the right color. And this is a very old uh, fabric art. This is the God. Yeah, I don't back know how along. far back it goes. My grandmother used to hook mats, yeah. but she never talked about it. Right. I knew after she died because they moved into St. John's in 1929, and the need for her to have a mat on the floor was gone. They had linoleum on the floor. Right. It's like you know having your wooden kitchen table, chrome sets come out. You, turf the wooden table and you buy the chrome set. Hmm. Well, the need for mats on the floor diminished. Right. And, and so the tradition kind of faded for a while, but it, it's, it really seems to be popular now. Very popular. There is a rock hooking guild. Yeah. And actually, they met at Loman the week before the music camp was there. Right. Yeah. And they've been very active. And, and, and I think you're right. It, it is one of these traditions that has shifted. You know, it was a very functional craft. Yeah. People made these mats to put on the floor. You would wipe your boots off when you came in. And, and you had to keep your feet warm. Yeah. You know, on a plank floor with, with uh, just a wood stove. Yeah. But you wouldn't dare put your boots. I wouldn't dare come to your house and God put my boots. God helps the one. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are now wall mats. Yeah, yeah. And and we see them in in galleries and in uh, in craft shops, and they're they're they are expensive. You know, they are they are well, pieces they of they are pieces of art. It takes a long time to make one. How long would it take you to make a mat? I did a big one that's maybe three feet by four feet, and it took a year. Right now, that's not every day working on that. Yeah, because I have a life too, but a year. Yeah. And uh, some of them are quite detailed. I did one of Kitty Vitty. I think you saw that one. And it's all a lot of cliffs, and the cliffs were really difficult. It took me like two months to figure out how to do it. And once I started doing it, it was a long time getting them done because they had to be just right. So what inspires you in terms of your designs? Something I see. Yeah. Something I think about. The memory mat is a memory from Harbour Grace. Um, and I think of that all the time. Actually, when I can't sleep at night, I have one of those nights, I walk myself to my great aunt's house. Yeah. I never finish the tour. <laughs> right. So it, memory and, and um, yeah, memory and a desire to, to preserve something. You told me a great story once when, when I was doing research on mummering. You yes. told me a story about your grandfather as a young man, yes. a story that happened to him, and then that turned into a mat. It did. Can you tell that story? Um, my grandfather was a teenager, and he heard the mummers coming at night, and he decided to hide in the belfry of the church that was safe. And uh, 
So I was in there one day with my cousins, and uh, typically when I go to, her, to Brian's Cove, I go and search and crank out a few hymns on the organ. And um, so my cousins were there doing the altar, and I said, look, there's the hatch where my grandfather hid from the warmers. And they said, what? They didn't know the story at all until I told it. So I, I, I actually did a series of six different church mats, six churches that were important in our family, and Brian's Cove was one of them because my grandfather, my great-grandfather and his brothers and other members of the parish built that church. Hmm. So that's an incredibly important church in my life. And uh, I still go there and I pay my dues there. And uh, I hooked the mat of the church and I took it to my aunt, who's now 99, to show her to say, it's, what do you think? And she said, my dear, when I was a child, that roof was red. So I went home and did another mat of a red roof because <laughs> the roof I had done was the modern one which was blue right but I did the proper thing I did the red roof so you actually ended up doing two mats yeah yeah and I remember you saying about uh, the story that you had told me about your, your grandfather hiding up so this was uh, Albert no, no Herbert Herbert, Herbert. Noseworthy yes that you said that the mummers could be quite rough at times, yeah, at, at that, in that in that era, they they um, if you didn't let them in, they would go up your ladder because every house had a ladder, to right? The, because of chimney fires, sure. And they'd go up the ladder and put boughs over your chimney and smoke you out, right? So you wanted to let the mummers in. I don't know that that, that ever happened to my great grandparents, but Pop said that's what would happen. Yeah. So you you either hid from them or you let them in. And the crowd from a Harbor Grace South was the rough. No, Harbour Grace South were the good ones. Oh, they were the good ones, were they? <laughs> hey, listen, that's where my grandmother's family is from. <laughs> I don't want to start a fight. No, no. So, so you're inspired by family history and by places? And by Gary, my husband's family history as well. Yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of Griggett mm-hmm. in a great northern peninsula. Northern peninsula, yeah. And uh, the church hall that his grandparents, uh, I guess, was built in their time, uh, is still standing. Somewhat changed, but I have the old photographs that I use. Right. And if I can work from old photographs that we own or my own pictures, my own photographs, I'd like to do that. But a couple of times I've worked from old historical photographs, Portugal Cove, 1900, Kitty Vitti, 1900, around there. So for you, what what makes a good mat? There's a million-dollar question for you. That I have no idea. <laughs> but you must look at some mats, though, and say, okay, this mat is better than this mat. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So what? how do you make that differentiation? Is it is it uh, the design? Is it the fineness of the work? Or is it a combination? Uh, I think sometimes it's the actual subject of the math. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, I've done two now that I haven't seen till they've been finished because they're so big that you have to roll them. Like when you're weaving, you, you roll your, mm-hmm. your, your weaving. And I roll the mat. You have to take your frame apart and roll your mat onto the bottom board. And so I deliberately don't look at what I've done I just roll it without looking at it you know without unrolling to see how it looks I just rolled it as I hook and uh, then I have the unveiling All right. so one night Gary came home after storytelling and uh, I said it's done and I'm waiting for you to unroll the mat and it was what was that one of um, Kitty Vitty and I unrolled it and had seen it for the first time finished I had no idea if it was going to work or not it worked. I cried. <laughs> I thought this is pretty good. And so what was that one based upon? Was that based upon a photograph or are you working from memory? An old photograph that somebody left in my friend's door. My friend lives in Kitty Vitty, And somebody left this copy of an old photograph in her door. She doesn't know who left it there to this day. And I looked at that and said, uh-huh. 
this would make a great map. I'm curious about the process then. So you have a you have a historic photograph, and then you have a piece of burlap. Uh, how do you get from the photograph to the burlap? Okay, that's a bit tricky because what I do is I take the image and I blow it up in sections uh, with my printer, mm-hmm. and then I trace it all. Um, put some tracing paper over that, and then I trace the important lines. Okay, just an outline of a house or a hill or whatever. And then I, I transfer that to the burlap. And you can do that in various ways. You can put a light under your burlap and, you know, put the image under your burlap and then trace. And I don't trace the whole thing. I just trace very basic shapes so I get the perspective and I get to know what goes where. And then I take the photograph, pin it up in front of me, mm-hmm. and work sometimes with uh, um, a head, what are they called? Uh, magnifier. Sorry. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm lost for words. I use a magnifier to uh, magnify it, and then I can see the detail, mm-hmm. and then I try to get as much detail as possible in the mat. So it's, it's, I'm painting with wool. Right. And if you're working with a black and white uh, photograph, then you have a bit of artistic license when it comes to oh, color Oh, absolutely. Choices and but you go down to Templeton's, and you can get these historic colors of Newfoundland, this chart, right? And I, I did that, and it really helps pick... The colors, because I have the colors in my wool. The other thing I've done, too, with two mats, Portugal Cove and the Battery, is I've talked to people who live there, and I've made notes on the the pictures. Uh, Who lived where? And now what color was that house? Do you remember the color of that house? Yes, yellow. So I make all these notes. I try to make the houses the right color. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of work that goes into the mat before you sit down to hook. Right. A lot of thought. Like the the cliffs at uh, Kitty Vitty, that took me months. So how many mats are you working on at a time? Or do you work on one and finish it and then go on to the next one? Or do you have multiple projects happening at the same I time? I have several drawn. Yeah. Um, there's a really neat one that I want to try, too. It's a cemetery on the island in Grigget, where Gary's um, grandmother and his two aunts are buried out there. And we go when we go down north, we usually go to the cemetery and do some cemetery work. And the family has a... A boil up on the beach right by the cemetery. It's always really, really nice. And they took the fence down because the moose were knocking the fence down. They took the fence down, left the gate. So I have this beautiful photograph of the gate with the family headstones behind it. Uh-huh. So I thought that would make a nice um, personal piece for Gary. Yeah, yeah. You you also, earlier today when, when you came into the studio, you had some photographs and you had some uh, mats that were in very particular wooden frames. Yes. Tell me that story. I collect window frames. Right. And uh, I've done, um, for a number of years, we sailed on the J&B in the off-season. She was a tour boat in St. John's yeah, Harbor. schooner, yeah. And we did the schooner. And we did uh, Trinity Bay, Conception Bay, and Placentia Bay. In Trinity Bay, we went to Ireland's Eye, which is absolutely God's country. It is just so incredibly beautiful. The church was chainsawed many years ago. Uh, it was resettled in 1965, so the church was a wreck. Somebody took the shingles off the roof, timbers from they all reused, and they didn't take all the windows. So I did. I have, I took three windows and one great big one, um, and I hooked mats to go in the the mats of Ireland's eye to go in those window frames. So uh, you're doing, uh, are, they, are they based on photographs or are they based on... My photographs. Your photographs of, yeah. of Ireland's um, Eye. I took pictures of the ocean or the, the, the harbor from where the church was. 
And then I took pictures from the schooner looking up at the church or where the church was on the hill. So I've got two views and two different mats. Hmm. So one is kind of recreating the view from the church then. Yeah, so from the you church. You can imagine and, you're in the church looking out through this and window. from the water, when you come into the cove, you see the church on the hill. Yeah. So I've done two views. So these are then, sh- these are, the burlap is then kind of formed in the shape, the arched shape of the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were big. I mean, the, uh, they're probably four feet more tall. Yeah. Yeah. So you work mostly in wool, is that, is that I correct? I prefer wool. And why do you prefer that? I tried, uh, my first mat was a t-shirt material. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, that was the, the way we were taught to do it using, you know, because it's really stretchy. But I didn't like that because it's an untidy job. And I like the Grenfell mats, but they use a finer wool than I use. Uh, I use two-ply. So I like the, the wool because you can get more detail. And it looks a bit neater. Grand, the Grenfell mats, the older Grenfell mats, also used uh, silk, stockings. silk stockings. And I tried hooking with nylons, you know, nylon stockings. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and this little hook, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. I just didn't like it. So I guess the, the, there were stories about how the Grenfell missions would solicit uh, women's stockings. The ones that, that had runs in them. They, yeah. Yeah, they would, and they, they dyed them. Right. And what would they use for dyes? Do you... I have no idea. Yeah. No. That was a we, whole process unto itself. I actually wiped my feet on one for years until I looked down one day and said, oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's mom had it, and uh, it it was probably her mother's. And she just took put it outside on the back porch. Yeah. And one day I looked down and said, oh, no. So I told her, and I said, "You can you duplicate that so when you're gone, the children will have a, a mat each of your work? And she did. Mm-hmm. And I said, don't throw the old one out. I'd like to have that. Oh, it went in the garbage. Yeah. I think so much of that stuff uh, went in the garbage. You know, well, I, they had no value. No. They were, they, like I said you earlier, they were, just, they were just something that people used, and when they got used up, you threw them out. Yeah. Yeah. But my grandmother, till the day she died, kept a rag bag on the kitchen door. Okay. A cloth bag full of, you know, uh, clothing that was no longer of any value for anything except making a mat. Right. She had that habit. Yeah. And people really did recycle and reuse what they had. That was part of part of life in rural Newfoundland. If something wasn't, if you were done with a piece of clothing and had holes in it, yeah. you, you took what you could to make quilt. If it was too bad for a quilt, then you used it for a mat. Right. So nothing got thrown away. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we see looking kind of back at, at mats, we see a real variety in, in designs. You know, the Grenfell mats were very scenic. There were lots of lots of kind of northern scenes, lots of dog teams and things and like that. And the map of Newfoundland. Map of Newfoundland. Yeah. And then there was also a, a real tradition of kind of geometric or pattern style yeah, mats. Yeah, you could. Very you traditional could, pattern mats. Yeah, you could buy the pattern. You could buy the stamped burlap. Mm. And a lot of people did that. A lot of people like Louise Belbin uh, did her own designs. Right. And geometric. And she, the one I have is two cats. Right. It's yeah. really sweet. I remember... Um, uh, Gerald Poshas in the folklore yes, department yes. who had done a lot of work with rug hookers he he had done an interview with a woman I think out in Holyrood and she had had this big eagle uh, on her mat and he said where did you where did you get the design for the mat and she said oh it just kind of came to me it just came to me this idea 
and he walked out and there was the big oil tanks uh the ultramar with the ultramar golden eagle, eagle <laughs> and that's where the idea had actually come from she had done the ultramar golden eagle so people are kind of inspired by what they see and what they know and yeah. and there's a bit of tradition but people are also very creative in the types of designs oh, that, they, that they use yeah and you you certainly seem to fit into that more kind of modern way of of coming up with designs like it's more based on photos and memories than on traditional patterns yeah and i didn't join the the royal cooking guild and i, I remember many Many years ago, Arch Williams was a folk painter in Fairland and did beautiful, beautiful work. And he went to Jerry Squires for lessons. And Jerry looked at him and said, Arch, you don't need my influence. You go do your own thing. Right. But what you're doing is good. So uh, I always think of that. If I go to, to rug the Rug Cooking Guild, then will I do the same kind of work they're doing? Right. Or do I stay true to myself true and do yourself. what I want to do? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you had brought in um, a mat with you when you came in that we were taking pictures of. And uh, one of them that you brought in is one of these window-style mats. So we're looking through the window, and uh, what do we see? This, this is Cape Onion, and the, the Tickle Inn, uh, Dave Adams and his wife uh, ran it for a number of years, and now they've retired from that. Uh, we went to see them last year. The, his um, folks were good friends with Gary's mom and dad. Right. So, and we knew them. So we went for a little tour. Now, the I love the house, but I turned around in the front room and looked at the view and said, oh, my, can I take a photograph of this? And, of course, yes, was the answer. Uh, the wallpaper in that room was big roses. Right. Gorgeous. But I didn't do the roses. I just did plain wall uh, walls because the roses would have taken away from the view of the water. Right. So it's the, it's the grass and the picket fence and the... Uh, purple flowers and a bit of seagrass there and the water and the islands and the sky. Yeah, it's a beautiful view. And, and uh, when you tell me the building, I, I, I know that view. I've been in kayak out in that oh, really? in that little bay yeah. right there, you know, because yeah. I stayed in that building at one point. It's a lovely bed and breakfast. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's beautiful, and it's and it's nice to see you know that that kind of uh, I like I like this this is part of your part of your work I guess is kind of looking out through the mat out beyond the mat into I, into I've done nature. quite a few looking through windows. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice style, and you also brought in a very different um, piece of work which uses a different technique. So you brought in a little pillow with you, which is quite lovely. It's a bouquet, not a pillow. It's oh, a bouquet. Oh, it's a bouquet. <laughs> Excuse me. It's a, no, I just joke. Um, and. This is a poked mat. Yeah. So now what's the difference between a poked mat and a hooked okay, mat? Okay, the hooked mat is hooked. Right. It's with a little hook, and you hook the loops. The poked mat, you use a wooden prodder. Uh, it's about, again, four inches maybe, um, graded to a point, and you work upside down. So your design is on the back of the mat, on the burlap, and you poke a hole with your prodder, and then you take your little two-inch piece of fabric and you poke one end in the hole. Then you make another hole and poke the other end of the fabric in the hole. And underneath, you pull them tight together so right. they're even. And so you continue that till um, you get the pattern you want. Right. You know, it's, it's a lot of work because you have to cut all of the fabric into these small two-inch strips about an inch wide. So it's really hard on your hands. And the poking process, too, because this is all very tight, as you can see. I did this. Uh, this was my first one, just an experiment to try it. And I wanted to do the flowers. And flowers are just petals and leaves. So I didn't have a, a drawn design. So I poked it, and when I took it out of the frame, 
it curled under. Right. And I thought, ooh, that's a bouquet. <laughs> so I put it, I stuffed it a little bit with, with some batting and put a back on it. So yeah. it, it is a pillow or whatever you want it to be. And I, and so I guess the, the one of the main differences in the style is that with a hooked mat, the the loop is what forms it's the pattern. It's a quarter of an inch high maybe. Yeah, but yeah. with a poke mat, it's it's the loose ends that form and the, the pattern. And the texture. Yeah, so it's a, much, it's a shaggier yeah. kind of mat. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, this is, these are all wool blankets, but you can use um, anything, any kind of fabric that you want to use. And I'd Im- I would imagine that, you know, if you were going to n- make one of these to put on your floor, that a poke mat would be a, a very warm kind of mat. This would be fabulous by your bed on the cold canvas, <laughs> you know? It? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, could, I would love to step out in the morning onto oh, that. Oh, just, yeah. just put your fingers in there. It's really thick. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is beautiful. It's lovely. And I love the flower work that you've done on it. That's great. I've done another one, too, that's a rectangular one. And we went to Monet's Garden in, in, outside of Paris a couple of years ago. And, of course, I love the water lilies. Mm. So I thought... Uh-huh. I'll do Monet's water lilies. So I did. Yeah. And now, c- can you get the same fineness of design, though, with a poked mat uh, that you can with a hooked mat? No. Right. No. You can do geometrics, but you certainly couldn't do a landscape like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And of of the two styles, this is a newer uh, piece of work for you. You're, you're more used to doing the, the hooked mats. I just did this a year ago. Right. Actually, I started that at, at music camp last year. As an experiment. Now, if people wanted to to get started in the world of, of map making, wh- where can they go? How would you get involved? Uh, they could join the Royal Cooking Guild. Yeah. That's a good start. Or if you didn't want to do that, you'd go online. Right. There are all kinds of books out there, too. Yeah. And I've picked up several lately in secondhand shops. And so what would you what would you give as your, your tip to beginners? What mistakes should they avoid that maybe you made when you were Make starting? Make your out? mistakes, that's how you learn. <laughs> that's a good that's good advice for life in, in general. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there a trick though for, for doing the types of work that you do? Is there something that you've found that like a technique that you now find yourself doing because it's uh, practical? Well, some of the girls wanted to put some flowers in their mats at camp and I said, Look, instead of because they had the, the area hooked already why don't you just take your yarn and knot the end of it and pull it through? Mm. And so then you have it, you automatically have your flower. And then just take the yarn underneath your mat to another spot and do the same thing. And it works. Right. Yeah. And I've used lace in windows too. We're, we're running out of time, but one other thing that I wanted to ask you about was about braided mats. Yes, I am working on one for my granddaughter. Yeah. I remember my auntie had this ginormous braided mat. Well, uh, God love her because <laughs> mine is small. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot so of I have work. no idea how long that must have taken to make. You take your strip of fabric. I saw, we went to um, um, a pioneer village in New Brunswick and a lady was doing all this by hand. So I questioned her about it and then I came home and I said, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I cut long pieces of fabric and then made a tube, just sewed them with a sewing machine, made a tube. So I have three different colors, and then you tie the end onto something, and you braid them. And then you take the, the, your braid, and you uh, curl it around and around and around flat, but you have to turn it, do it upside down, and you have to sew it all, it all together on Stitch the back. Stitch the edges together. Yeah, on the, on the back, yeah. yeah. So my coil now is about a foot across, and I still have lots left to do. It's a lot of work. And what kind of material are you using? Wool. Wool. I cut up some beautiful wool blankets. <laughs> <laughs> but I wash them first and put them in the dryer to shrink them. Yeah. Uh, same with these. Right. So the, the fabric becomes really, really tight. So 
less likely to fray. Yeah. So what is it about the wool that you like? So that's what you're using. I love the much. feel of it. Yeah. yeah. And where do you get your where do you get your materials? Um, for the pulp mats, it's all wool blankets, wool coats. Um, so far, I may go. I'm trying to find some other things to, because it's all kind of expensive. Um, for the yarn, um, it's Briggs and Little or um, McCausland's from PEI. Right. Yeah. Great. Well, so. I, I I think we're we're almost out of time here, but I, I'm just curious: Are there other upcoming projects that you have that you're working on? You're you're talking about the braided mat. You're working on your memory mat. There's another house in Harbour Grace South that I call the greenhouse because it was green. It was in such bad repair that the fire department burned it down as practice. Sadly, it was a gorgeous old house. But I took a photograph of it. Everything was green. The trees were green. The grass was green. The house was green. <laughs> Everything was green. So I want to do a green mat. A green mat. A green mat. By Ruth Green. Right. <laughs> Ruth, thank you for coming in. Thank you for asking me. Talk to you again soon. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at ich underscore nl. Thanks for listening.